namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma samputassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma samputassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma samputassa udang dhammang sanghang namasami so our lives are all very specific everybody's living their own life their own in their own bubble all kinds of topics and thoughts and feelings going on yeah you know sometimes it's just uh, they, they feel like me kind of kaleidoscope Spaces and sounds and memories and interests, some are pleasant, some unpleasant, some kind of agitating, some gladdening. And so, you know, everybody's different. And see how, for a teaching of the Buddha, you're actually dealing not with, not really with specific topics, more general underlying principles or you might say structures or channels in the mind for example is like faith faith isn't an idea it's a particular way of relating to experience or discernment you know I can't say discernment's a personal characteristic everybody has some degree of discernment it's, it's natural volition everybody's got some kind of push something in them that gets them go you know the go for it or the hang back some activity thing you know and so and this is actually you know the Buddha teaching is mostly on this level of the you might say the underlying faculties factors structures that that you know our, our own personal bits and pieces get thrown around by moved around by you know it's kind of slightly underneath the surface that's why it's really you know, important to meditate. And why meditation starts to make it all clearer, you're actually very useful for meditation because it takes you off of the topic, you know, which is always poignant and me and mine, into how am I handling this topic? What does it bring up? You know, you're just stepping back, not to, you know, deny a pain or a source of sorrow or a interesting thing I want to do but just this okay is that let's step back and how's that held you know what what is it that makes that happen and it does it generate does it get me more embedded in stuff does it keep me open does it produce you know results that I'm gladdened by or helpful what and so you start to kind of work it out really um how to handle your stuff. Yeah, so you kind of step back from the immediate topic of the day to the, does this feel pleasant or unpleasant? Yeah. Am I interested in it or repelled by it? Does it bring up fear, or hope, excitement, sadness? You know? You're kind of looking at the way things work. Karma, cause and effect. And you also look at the way how you handle this. Does it lead to less 
congestion, less affliction for yourself and for others, or more. You know? and sometimes you can notice actually that, that we're not really in control of all this. You know? That you just get stuff really throws and you get embedded and tightened up and frantic or panicky or obsessed or pressed down, depressed, you know, not because we choose to suffer, (laughs) you know, it's just that you realize you're not actually in control of some vital pieces, you know, not a matter of choice, you know, they're reflexes. Some of these are dis- extremely um, difficult, some of them are very dangerous. You know, human beings are the only, only species that regularly, many of them kill themselves. You know, not other creatures do that. You know, it's the most, most fundamental law or most fundamental principle for a sentient being is to preserve its own life. Yeah, people don't do that. And many people, you know, don't just actually physically kill themselves, but write themselves off, you know, feel they're useless, go into very negative tailspins. It's out of control, isn't it? It's it's out of control. So this is what's called uh, the blind driver. He's driving our bus. Mm. Buddha said this is act, this blind driver is really it's a kind of duet as ignorance or not seeing or not being in touch or not really being clear about and tanha crave thirst real kind of and thirst is a reflex you know it's a kind of something it lunges for something wants to suck something in tanha craving thirst but, you know, when you're on the bus, well, you don't really notice it because you're moving along. And one of the things that we do, you know, to, to take us, you know, to, to off the heat, off the pressure of, the, of thirst is we move around a bit. We keep shifting, physically shift, mentally shift, go different places, do different things, switch something on, switch something off, go and see somebody, phone somebody up. Talk about this, go there, you know. keep shifting around. The movement helps to, you know, take away that pressure that tanha, craving, puts on us. You know, and cravings have lesser cravings built upon them, like, you know, feel like something to drink or eat or smoke or look at, taste, touch, you know. But basically, the, the thing is to put. Put something in here, you know. That's one of them, isn't it? Put something in here. Fill me up. You know. Are we so empty? That's the that's the uh, ignorance or not seeing. We don't see. We don't discern. We don't really get in touch with something that doesn't need to be filled up. We're already full, full of consciousness. The problem is so much consciousness is kind of, kind of all kinds of distressing 
agitated, you know, disturbing or you know, instincts, feelings, you know, fill me up, you know. Something. The other forms of thirst, the thirst to be solid. Give me a future. Give me something to be. Give me a way out of being something. You know? These two forms. You can see that quite a lot of our lives are almost by necessity structured around what we're going to do next year, until the end of the week. It's done by Friday. And then, you know, and of course, most of it is just kind of moving along. So we don't really examine what the underlying premise is that we'll do that and then we'll have arrived, have completed, have finished, have got to the place. And yeah, in some ways that's true. We've got our wages, we've got our thing done, we finished our work project. But yeah, but actually the sense of real arrival in a, like a fulfilment, it's kind of moving away, doesn't it? Like a handful of snow. You get the snowball, you got it. And it's sort of, oh, where did that go? <laughs> Not because you didn't get it, but that's what we're handling. <laughs> we're handling stuff that melts all the time. So you get this kind of, whoa. Because nothing is actually solid. And yet we want to be solid. Want to be definite, but nothing is definite. Nothing really arrives. And yet we want to be like that's called unknowing. You know, we're actually following the wrong um, mission. And because and that that's what keeps the, the the thirst going. Not seeing, not just not seeing, but not being able to. Uh, accept or or um, relate to or, or somehow almost like you know you can understand things conceptually, but to emotionally accept them is a bigger step. You know, something that can't quite comprehend, can't quite get around that sense of the uncertain, the ephemeral, the transient. We know it, easy to see, and yet there's an instinct that, you know, don't like that. I want some solid ground. You're very shaky, nervous, unsettled without that. But it never gets solid. It gets solid when we kind of grip hold, we get a view or an opinion or a bit of you know, something like that going. And that's why those things are attractive, aren't they? Even unpleasant views. You know, when you start to think, well, she's like that, he's this, they're that, this is what's going to be like. So, you know, you know, how we kind of solidify everything. Because even if it's kind of unpleasant, it gives you a feeling of you are solid. If you kind of solid and look down upon things... <laughs> You know, and how that kind of that action happens, and uh, even when it's quite unpleasant, you know, everything like you know, 
solid view of uncertainty. I wouldn't be sure about that. Because <laughs> you can get philosophical about things as well, and it acts as a sort of a, uh, you know, piece of ground. But you really see how, how, on a reflex level, how kind of, how, what a challenge it is to kind of stay open. You realize that, uh, you know, when the Buddha taught this first noble truth, the dukkha, kind of unsatisfied, dis- the dissatisfied, the never quite there feeling, you know, or the suffering or not quite enough feeling, you know, and why we kind of feel that, but also something that's doesn't feel it or doesn't want to feel it, you know. And what happens, you know, you get a kind of a, uh, particularly when it's difficult, something you close up. You, these shields, we are the one, the, the two forms really of getting away from it. One is moving, moving around physically, moving around mentally, moving around emotionally, moving around in that way, you know. The other is, is building a wall, tightening up, kind of seizing up. Sometimes so, you, know, you can feel something in your chest seize up. It's because you can't, right now, can't handle. You know. It's too turbulent, too difficult. So, you know, why this, this uh, penetration is that it really is. It's, it takes a lot of cultivation to be able to, to just open up and, and feel things as they are. The uncertainty, feelings are painful, you know. Some feelings are painful. There is such a thing as painful feeling. <laughs> you know, and it's not something wrong with you. There's such a thing as sadness, grief, uh, hurt. And these, these are not easy and they've all got very specific personal topics to them, haven't they? You know, they colour them, flavour them, make them three-dimensional. In my friends, my family, my life, my this, that and the other. And it just goes boing, goes right in there. So something is going to, will close around that, will shrug it off, keep moving. Mm-hmm. So actually, this is really uh, quite a big practice to just be open and soft. Mm-hmm. Stop, stop moving. Stop closing up. Stop holding views. Stop forming solid ground. Stop getting in a position. It really, is quite a practice. And is it any good? Does it make us just get blown away by things? Or isn't it the case that when there is the capacity to do that, we come like, uh, our minds become like space, things travel through, but it doesn't stick. Our minds become like water, things rush through it, but it doesn't break. Mm-hmm. Because, as the Buddha said, there is no way 
one will not be separated from the loved. No way one will not be associated with the unloved. You know, so we can wriggle, we can tighten up. Or maybe there's another way where, yes, it's like that, and yet we have the capacity somehow to um, to bear that, or not even to bear it, but to let it pass through. And the interesting thing was that all of the skills that the Buddha teaches us, really encourages us to develop, are only there to support to support us enough to be able to gradually let go of the props and the dependencies. You know, that the perhaps one of the deepest ironies of the, the Buddha's enlightenment was a completely unshakable, completely unsupported. Nowhere to go, nothing to believe in, no friends, no family, no teachers, no future, no clan, no tribe, no hope, no religion, nothing. Completely unsupported. No group to be to lead, no group to be led by, no point, you know, no path. And actually you know, seeing within that how his own attempts to kind of either push it all down with asceticism or to space right out with yogic trances were just the last kinds of shuffle to get away from the this place of emptying. Mm-hmm. And eventually deciding to let go of that. Uh, it takes capacity because of the reflex. You know, even we understand it conceptually occasionally, the reflex to work on it. You know? So all of the, you know, there's a huge toolbox of things, but the point isn't really to fill oneself up with tools, no. but to use what's necessary to just kind of start to undo the stuck places. Naturally, when we even talk like that, then, you know, the eye comes up, there's a lot of doing, really got to do a lot. And yeah, volition is part of it. Volition, the will to do, is part of it. But you also recognize that volition, the will to do, is the very thing that gets hijacked by craving, doesn't it? The one I want to have, want to get, want to make, want to... So it's a sort of two-edged sword. You know, it can be the volition to to undo. But you also get within that, you get the kind of volition to, you know, to get somewhere. So it can go either way. There's between chanda, which means like an eagerness to to let go, and tanha, which is a craving... And they're both forms of desire. And it's very easy even to swing. So volition itself needs to be used, but also understood. 
the energy, effort needs to be used, be understood, determination needs to be used, be understood. Hmm? Remember my when I came to England I was very, you know, kind of I think I was feeling pretty out of it in many ways. You know, been three years in Thailand, sitting in a heart of my own. And uh, you know, pretty much end of end of my tether in some ways. So it was a kind of lot, very loyal push just to find something to to get doing, you know. And there wasn't anything to do, really. Very little to do. So all that kind of raw volitional drive, just kind of, the only thing I could do was, in, you know, try to do Dhamma. <laughs> Trying to do Dhamma. So I remember the uh, the first rains retreat at, at um, retreat in England, which was out in Oakenholt, and you have these kinds of, what are we going to do? We're going to get down as soon as really get serious with it. So there's this kind of list of these Dutanga ascetic practices, 13 ascetic practices. So, well, do them all. <laughs> you know, why mark around? Why not do them all? It's like saying, two aspirins or 500. <laughs> Well, 500 is better than two. <laughs> you know, you like a screwdriver or a wrench. Oh, I'll have it all. Screwdriver, wrench, jackhammer, a whole lot, you know. Actually, something you can't really do because you like hanging, like living in charnel grounds, you can't really do. It's an army. Yeah. But the ones I, I, I sort of like fasting and uh, one meal a day and silence, keeping silence, those are not reading, not lying down. So I didn't lie down for three months. But so much doing in it, you know. And I start, even when I was doing that, I think, right, I'm going to resolve to not sit, not move for two hours, okay. I do that, and now I'm going to resolve to not, not stop walking for two hours. I make so many resolutions every day. Like in the morning, I got through five resolutions. The afternoon, another five resolutions. I mean, I was resolved, <laughs> but like you know, you so you you know have a nice day. <laughs> you know, you wonder why you're pushing so hard. <laughs> and I, I had this uh, one thing we had to do was, was to chop up some firewood. And I found this uh, chainsaw, you know, to chop up the firewood. So this chainsaw, and I thought, okay, get in, get on with it. So I got this chainsaw. You know, chainsaw operates. You've got a kind of a hand where you pull the string on it, and it kind of pulls the motor, so the thing starts. So I got this chainsaw. Boom! Give it a big tug. Nothing happened. Okay, give it another big tug. Nothing. Things not working. So I go right. A really big tug. Nothing happened. Tug, tug, tug. Nothing happened. <laughs> I put it on the ground and stood on it. Tug. Nothing happened. Right, this one's going to do it. I nearly ripped my arm off. Tug, tug. You know. I was so determined. I was so much volition to get this thing going. When somebody monk came along and said, "Oh, you have to switch it on first. <laughs> <laughs> so it was switch on, on, off. 
Oh, right, and then it's boom, and it goes, you know, a little switch. And that was about summed up my practice. Like, there was plenty of volition, but I hadn't switched the thing on. <laughs> so, you know, why hadn't I switched on? Wisdom. <laughs> Detachment. <laughs> Quite a few things, actually. You know, so it's like you realize that, that actually, why, in a way, there, there is a whole sort of matrix or a whole kind of group of factors is that you really, you know, you don't want to use them all, you don't want to use one singly, you don't want to use it, you use them sort of balancing each other out. So you always have the sense in which it's energy is balanced out by kind of settledness and composure, and uh, you have a sense of discernment. That's also balanced out by a quality called faith, which means the ability to to not be that clear, but just be open, you know, without having to kind of determine this, that, this, that. And those two balance each other out. And then, and, and then you also have this quality of mindfulness, which is bringing things to mind. So you keep reviewing, bringing to mind. How is it now? Is it balanced? Is it imbalanced? How do you know that it's balanced or not? You know that it's balanced or imbalanced because you get a sense whether the the energy that you're putting into practice actually brings you more clearly into the present, or whether it's always pushing towards the future. Whether it's actually bringing you into a sense of you know some quality which is inclined towards completion in yourself, or whether it's chasing notional goals. You know? And this is why mindfulness, I think, leads to concentration. Not as a concentration, as a goal out there, but as a gathering in of energy to here. It actually draws it all back, gives you back to yourself, gives you back your energy. Says so you're okay here, just, just take it a little bit steady. You know, it's that thing that where mindfulness leads to concentration. So you don't need the hand. Put that aside, put that aside. Just gather yourself back, gather yourself in. And this, um, so it's a particular kind of volition, but it's a volition that, that gives you back to yourself. You know? Is that, just think of that phrase, maybe. It's not chasing ideologies, it's not chasing ideals, it's not chasing images of what you should or could or ought to or might be or fears of what you might be. But you know, get yourself back, you know. Why we use the body? Breathing in, breathing out is a reference point. It's coming back. So, you know, this requires there's a certain kind of quality of volition. But because we know, we begin to sense how volition gets hijacked by all kinds of should do, should be, want to get there, want to arrive, want to become more than I am, you know? And it gets pushy and frantic, and you like a chasing, as the further you chase, the further the carrot keeps moving ahead of your nose, you know? So what's the, how do you get volition, which is this, this very innate quality we all have that keeps our minds moving along, we're born with it. Mm-hmm. How do you adjust, how do you get that, get around that? And you recognise some qualities that you have, 
are really innate, you know. As you, you already have them. Like you have a certain, you have the ability to discriminate. You know, you can see hot from cold. You know, you can distinguish black from white. You can distinguish pain from pleasure. It's no big deal. Automatically, when something happens to you, something discriminates, discerns what it is. You know, and what we do is we just say that quality and say, "Well, could you just instead of you know uh, putting it to the wrong purposes, you know, like uh, am I attractive or unattractive, something like that? Put it to, am I? Is this causing suffering or not? Is this leading me into kind of a blind compulsiveness or not? Is it helping me to unload, or is it putting more on my plate? Is it helping to make me a little more open and empty, or is it just cluttering up? You know? It's just asking oneself these questions. So you really just you don't really create anything so much as just use it, use what's there. Yeah. Use it in particular ways. We all have this. Like it's used externally, isn't it? Very fine tuning on, on you do an artist or a writer or something. Very gift. You know, you can use a lot of that discernment to discern exactly the particular effects you want to use. But just looking at does this bring around congestion, intensity, unwholesome mind states, or not? Yeah. What do you want to direct your attention to? So wisdom is very important. Another important quality we all have, which I've mentioned, is faith. We have something in this. What's faith? Is it belief? No. It means, what is it that, that gets you through a day? You know? What is it that some sense of, of there's something worthwhile about being here? You know, there's something valuable or, you know, something. <coughs> and it's not really associated with particular topics, but it's something more innate than that. It gives us a sense of trust in being. Why do you meditate? Some feeling that, you know, there's something worthwhile about just being. Mm-hmm. So we all have this. And of course people have faith in Manchester United. They have faith in, I don't have much faith in Gordon Brown anymore, but, you know, what do you mean? Something, yeah. and it can be extremely passionate, like football teams or like religions, or you know, so it can get very devotional and heated up. But you know, you so you would balance it out with wisdom. <laughs> like you know, a bit discriminative about what one puts one's faith on and what it's doing, because it, although it's innate, also it does these things actually. You see how volition comes in there. And your volition can be towards, you know, 
building up, hanging on, excitement, or it can be towards clarifying, being more present. Mm-hmm. So these two are very helpful. You know. There's a sense of trust, trust in being. They don't know future. But we can know, I'm going wobbly now. I'm getting agitated now. Ah, this is what's needed. I'm thinking about something that's uh, upsetting me, you know. Mm, I can sense that. That That's not doing me any good. Just, Just back off. Just lift your mind off that. So we're not, you know, until we can come some, so we can, then we can begin to approach our topics with some sense of purpose or skillfulness rather than just be thrown into our own, you know, scenarios. Blindly. So volition is something to be understood, used carefully. Learn to kind of calm it down, learn to lift it off, learn it to bring it on to things that are purposeful. Learn to look at the what's in that volition. Is it craving or is it willingness? Is it openness or is it fixation? Is it wanting to be something or is it wanting something about letting go? Kind of, we have to. Watch, study these things, get the feeling for it. Because the Buddha was only able to to be present, fully present, by letting go of all of it. You can see, you know, as you meditate, how your mind works. You know how something comes, seems that something seems to come up. There's a there's a, there's a response, there's a movement. Maybe we hang on to that, or we re- react to it. We feel interested, or we feel disappointed, or whatever it is. Something kind of a lot of energy there. It's not like activity there. Before the reactions come in, just notice how your mind is already attuned to look for the the irritating or to look for the worrying or to look for the thing to get disgruntled about or the thing to plan about or the thing to hope for or the thing, you know it's already kind of leaning <laughs> you know it's already looking for something to get embroiled in you kind of get the atmosphere of it and then Calming, recognizing that, letting go with that. If it starts, to, you see how your mind can stick onto a thought, stick onto a feeling. Why is it only sticks onto? There's so many things we could remember, imagine, perceive, fantasize, guess. You know, it's pretty much, I don't know, but infinite. But and yet, there's only a certain topics that we go to. Why is that? You know? 
you know, because you have certain latent tendencies, and it's there's worry, there's there's craving, there's passion, there's disappointment, there's doubt, despair, you know, and of course there's good things, you know, uh, compassion, kindness, so on. Where's the tendencies? You start to look at underlying structures. And, you know, we all have all of these. You know, we have different dimensions, different things, different topics will trigger off my righteousness or, you know, or whatever, you know, or compassion. But the, the very sense of the mind is bedding into something and then chewing it, chewing it, you know, like a dog, like a terrier chewing a slipper. <laughs> is it? Yeah. To use some of these skills to recognize and then you know, we come back to not the topic itself, but to the underlying pressure, the push. Feel the energy of it and relaxing, calming the energy of that. Seeing we have some choice, we have also have this other, you know, perhaps the thing that only humans have is the ability to step back. Most everything else in the universe is totally embedded in what it is. But humans, this is why the human realm is the optimal for enlightenment. We we can actually step back. Hey, what am I doing? What's going on? What's this about? How does it feel? It's this non-attachment, not dismissal, not rejection, not disapproval, just, hey, what's that? You know? And that, the faculty, and this was the actually the dominant faculty that the Buddha developed. Mm-hmm. We all have this, but he developed it to the furthest degree, to, to the mind of not holding on to anything, not embedded in anything. The, the relinquishment of that push, that drive, that clinging, that fascination, that engagement. And this is called the dissolution, or the visankata. Yeah. So, you, you know, so we start to at least acknowledge the kind of drives that are happening. What does it take to step back from them? What does it take to come out of the the blindness, the compulsiveness? The blindness and compulsiveness, you know, who we're here to wake up. So we start to step back, see, oh, this is, you know, that kind of honesty to recognize what's going on. Stepping back, you know, lifting the mind off its objects of it you know taking it up taking it out of the track out of the ruts 
And these ruts, that, of course, the, the really deep ruts are the ones which have got I am written on them. They've got your name written on them. This is my favourite rut. <laughs> I'm not sharing it with anybody else. <laughs> and we kind of, some, some weird thing that's really loves those ruts because once you get in a rut it's plain sailing you don't it's just you just on automatic on cruise control it's just down that rut forever you know <laughs> but if we just sort of recognize we all this is you know everybody's rutted so, like, there's nothing really personal about it except signing your name on it. <laughs> so, you see, the, the feeling of it, you know, because it's certainly solid, you know, it gives you a shape. What's it like to just feel the quality of being that, you know, embedded, that incised, that defined? Where's that going? What does it take to to have the faith to say you don't have to be what your name says, what your rut says? What does it take to have the the discernment to sense how that's happening? You know, something just runs into those. And it runs into them with the feeling that this will fill me up. This will take me to the good place. This will get me to the church on time. And it never does. <laughs> it's the road to nowhere, isn't it? We go, we come back. <laughs> so that, you know, that kind of stepping back, not to say you shouldn't have any ruts, or your rut's worse than my rut. I've got a good rut, I don't like your rut, you know. But it's like the sense of being in a, on a track, you know. Isn't it true? Okay, just name it. Put it out there. See, you know, you don't have to be a part, you don't have to not have this, but you don't have to be in it. You can step back. And then, as soon as you step back, the rut starts to less than its, its, its determinism. You know? And you feel a little bit lighter being less determined, less incised, less characterised. Hey. 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 <laughs> you know? It's empty... And yet it's full, because it's full of joy, it's full of openness, it's full of clarity. Things that are not arrived at through, through stuffing, but arrived at through releasing. And that, every time you do that, it increases your faith, doesn't it? You, know, you see, this isn't a matter of getting anything, or of going anywhere. It's about finally stop 
going places and stop the need to accumulate. It's that relief. Mm-hmm. And the faith, you know, that because that, those feel we can't do that. It sounds too too chilling, too rigid, too locked. Yeah. But so you practice like you're just doing a little bit to see the results of how you can just kind of lift out of a habit, witness it, take an interest in it, play with it. Hey, there he is, there she is, there I am again, you know. Till it's something that no longer reaches up and grabs you. The first step is maybe the the most important, to know the compulsions, and then to know them without judgment. So you do that. Then, imme- when you do that, you get some immediate sense of relief, confidence, happiness, humor, being at peace. You get that's the way it goes. How can I with that? Can I do it more often? Hmm. So this is how our practice moves along, looking at these structures these patterns, at these programs and coming out of the topical kind of you know intensities of them there you are.